Praise God. This is part two, and we do welcome uh, our live stream audiences. We love you guys so much. Uh, we've gotten to know uh, some of you uh, visiting uh, uh, different churches around the uh, uh, nation that are connected to us or different uh, home groups and live stream groups, and it's been a joy. We just uh, met with the New York group, and there's three New York groups that we met with, but we didn't realize there were far more than the three there as far as people there on Long Island uh, that came from different parts of Long Island. And, and uh, we didn't, I mean, we're starting to realize more and more we know because we see all the emails and we constantly get, and we got people all over the world that, that the ministry is touching. And, and you need to know that because when you're given to the ministry here, you know, you know what we teach. It's very rare today to have sound doctrine, you know, and the truth and discernment spoken in love as well and all that combination of things because we, we want to reflect Jesus in his heart and his word, amen. But uh, it's just amazing because, uh, like Tony said to me, I'm, I'm, he's shutting that door over there and smiling right now because, uh, he, you know, he, he was saying to me, it's so humbling to know because he works hard in the ministry. And we just go forward and do what the Lord's called us to do, but how many people the ministry's touching. Because uh, we, we spoke at a, a little Baptist church there. Uh, when I say little, it's, it's one of the most beautiful buildings you'll ever walk into, you know. But because of COVID and things that went down, I, they only have a very small amount of people there, and we spoke there, and the place was absolutely packed, you know, and it was packed because a lot of people traveled from, uh, you know, uh, Philadelphia, outside Long Island in New York, you know, from New Jersey, Texas, different people from a lot of different areas, and to see the conference the day before, but then they stayed overnight and, and came to the service, and it's like a, a trip because we're realizing we can go to different areas, and, and through, uh, you know, our services, our podcasts, and so forth, we're able to touch a lot of people. And that is definitely humbling because I told you that that dream I had a long time ago and I was preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word, and some pe and it was outside. And it was after I was praying about, Lord, I'm gonna stick to your will no matter who listens, you know? And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, different people had left because I was preaching, you got to build your life on the rock. You got to stand on Jesus, you know, you know, and, and not move. And, and as I was preaching to stand on Jesus, good to see you, Walt. Love you, brother. So good to see you, brother. And uh, uh, it, I, it's just amazing because as I'm seeing the people leave, my heart was sinking. I'm preaching Jesus. Stand on him. It's all about him. And people were upset with that message. And, but the people that were left began to glow, all these different colors and and start all of a sudden they're like praise the lord hallelujah praise jesus and i just woke up and i was like praise the lord because i'm like lord i know jesus talks about it talks about how jesus would preach the word and give them a hard saying and they would sift the multitudes you know many would leave and i already knew that but and i also know that the through the preaching of the word the people that hear the word you know are cleansed through the word of God. The Bible says we're cleansed through the word of God, amen? And that strengthens us and empowers us and, and we're allowed to, we can be filled with spirit as we hear his word and we, we, we seek his word. And uh, pray for the guys. There's a lot of people that have gone off to university. I, I see Nico's mom and dad. You guys are a blessing, you know? Uh, and uh, of course, Armand and, and, and Trent and different people that you often see. We won't be seeing as much of them uh, because they went off to different Christian universities and so forth. So, so pray for them and, and others. Who else has gone off to university that we may not see? Whoever, just pray for everybody. Kathy, you're going to go to university? Okay, I'll say you're a school teacher. What's up with that? <laughs> Ooh, okay, the Eye of the Storm is in Long Island. I've been burying my 
bury my face in the book, so I didn't know that. So, Father, we do pray for all those, those kids, Lord, and it's just awesome to see them become disciples here and to just become greater disciples as they continue to get poured into. But may they stick close to the straight and narrow to Jesus. We pray, Father, for those in Log Island and thereabout with regarding the hurricane that you'd uh, uh, bring safety, Lord. Uh, we pray, Father, for those struggling in uh, Afghanistan as well, Lord. Uh, many Americans left behind to be slaughtered. Uh, and covenants broken with that, that country, Father, that we'd made to protect them. We pray in your Son's name, Father, that uh, you would, by your grace, Father, extract safely many of those people and keep them from the wicked Islamicist, Father, who are blood-hungry and blood-thirsty, Father, and hate the people of the cross, as the Word of Allah says. Protect them, keep them, Father, uh, and use them, and may they die as uh, those that are believers, Father. Protect the church. Those who are to die, as a testimony to your name, may you give them grace during this time. And may you help us again with this message in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, man, where was I? Uh, anyway, we need to continue to make sure we stay focused on the word of the Lord during these times. Amen. But we were very excited because uh, we had a great turnout, you know. Uh, we stayed at, stayed at the, uh, we visited the, the different home groups and we all got together as one group as well. And uh, at the Von Eif's house and, and Keith and Mary Von Eif and their family members that we met. Just so beautiful. Just love the Lord. And uh, I see Armand Omar. Armand, you're still here for a little while. That's awesome to see you, man. Uh, uh, Armand's smiling, shaking his head, man, because we just had a great time and just such beautiful people. And it's nice to know that there is a remnant of people that love Jesus and his word no matter what's being said. There, and that's what the word promises, too. But it's really awesome to know that there's a remnant in all kinds of places. And that's just our ministry, and that's people that get wind that we're over here. How many people, most of the people that get impacted by our ministry don't get wind of that. So there's so many people being impacted. But there's millions and millions and millions and millions of believers impacted uh, uh, that have never even heard of our ministry that just love Jesus around the globe. Amen. God has his remnant, and we need to continue to pray for that protection for, his, for the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Go to Revelation chapter 22. We are going through, can you believe we've actually picked up the book of Revelation again? And I'm going into the last two chapters now. I'm so excited about that. And uh, I just hope you guys get really blessed by this message because this theme, as I mentioned last time that I did this, and I missed last Sunday because I was gone. And I'm so happy to know, I don't want to be those, one of those pastors until I'm quite a bit older. I know I'm getting older, but that, that isn't in, I've got to be a bit older and know it's the Lord. Uh, because there'll be a time where I probably minister more and more to the different churches that are popping up from Blessed Hope, and I, I'm doing that to a degree. But I don't want to be one of those pastors that just is no longer here. And you see me a few times a year as a pastor of the church. That's, I would really cease to be pastor if that happened. So I, I try to be here uh, quite often. I've had a lot of invitations, a lot of opportunities through the years, but I've always buckled down and say, hey, the Lord called me to be pastor of Blessed Hope until further notice. And I don't know if any further notice is coming anytime soon. I don't think it is, you know. And I'm so happy to be amongst brothers and sisters that I've, you know, grown to know uh, through the years and that, that love Jesus and the new brothers and sisters that have come in. But one of the things that we love to focus on is typology. And uh, last two Sundays ago, but I'm saying I'm glad to know when I'm gone and I'm out, you know, one of the elders could step up like Pastor Steve and I know you're going to get a, just a glorious impacting message, you know. And we have Steve, he's going like once a month or so with Carol to the Idaho church because we're trying to shore up those churches. We're uh, going to be going hopefully more periodically to uh, some of these other places as well uh, instead of just once a year or twice a year. But uh, please, I'm praying that the Lord would raise up 
more and more strong disciples here that can be part of that process, amen? And it's great to see the growth in this fellowship. But Jesus said, pray that the, the Lord would send out laborers for their few, right? And the harvest is ripe. It's ready. It's white in the snow, ready to be picked. So you need to say, Lord, help me be part of that process of impacting the church, amen? Now, it's important to understand as well that uh, when I was uh, <laughs> at the Von Ives home, uh, there was uh, an awesome sister, you know. She, she's the auntie, you know, uh, uh, the uh, sister or uh, aunt of, of Mary there. And her two daughters both just love, love, love Jesus, the three of them. And in unison, it was almost like they made a chant on purpose, you know. And I knew they didn't, but it was so funny. They're like... Uh, <laughs> Three with joyous faces. We want more typology, you know, and because uh, they were talking about typology and how much they love it when I go through typology. And when I was mentioning, uh, you know, talking about that with them, like, oh, you're saying, okay, yeah, you're hoping I'll do more of it because we're doing typology Tuesdays. And they said something like, we want Typology Tuesday back together, all three of them, because that's part of our podcast. If you are not hearing the podcast, I'm just going to say, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not listening to the podcast, you're missing enrichment in your Christian walk. How many of you that listen to podcasts can say amen to that? Amen. Okay, you're not growing the way you could grow because there's so much there, you know. And I met different people up there. They just, they, they listen to the Sunday services. They listen to Wednesdays often. They're into the word through our fellowship. But so many of them are so grateful for the podcast too. And they'll listen to, I had people come up to me I never met. I li- over and over again, you know. I listen to the services or not. I listen to the podcast. I get so much out of them, you know. And you could listen to just two or three podcasts. But there's four or five a week you could listen to you know now that we've been, I mean, finished up marvel dc it's we've we've done a little bit less of them and we haven't been on typology tuesday and so forth and but i'm going to pull typology tuesday back not every tuesday but we'll do more typology but it was praise god i was able to say to the sisters you know uh because <laughs> we we have there's a ton of interviews we do with top christian leaders apologists Anything from Darwinism to UFOs to you, you name it. But we have a balanced approach, not this weird outer limits kind of thing. We, we look at the biblical scripture. We have a lot of the top, top apologists on, on, on scripture, uh, discernment ministries that are, you know, because we're in apologetics ourselves in discernment, but we like to share other ministries with other people. So we've had scores of different interviews already, and we have an archive where you could just tap into them. But many will listen to our, 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 our podcast. Uh, like I said, it's often in the top 100 uh, it's actually just, you know, a lot, lot more than that, actually, uh, for nationally, but even in worldwide of, 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 of spiritual, not just Christian, podcast. We're in the top 100 at times around the world. So uh, a lot of people, we don't even know how it spread, man, but just people got word of mouth. But I feel sad because right here you are, right? And you have an opportunity to really plug in and have a lot more knowledge than you would have if you would check out the podcast, have a lot more enrichment and, and know, how to st- know how to defend your faith. So I'm just saying that's, make your, it, it, people drive to work, they just listen to the podcast, you know. I was going with uh, Jim, amazing brother, you know, uh, brother of Keith Von Eiff. And man, Keith, we had such a great time, such a blessed man, awesome guy and Mary. But, and uh, the other leaders of the home groups there, Mauricio and, and Sam, the other, and they just love Jesus. There's an exusion of, of just a love for, is exusion a word? You know, when you exude something, <laughs> you can look it up. An exusion of a love for, there is, it's a word now, because I'll just stick with the word if I make it up. An exusion of a word of a love for, for Jesus, you know. Uh, and, and Jim, Keith's brother, was like, just a neat brother. And 
Uh, it's interesting because Bill, his other brother, all three of these guys are like Hessians, you know, that came here from Germany to fight as mercenaries in, in the Revolutionary War, you know. And you look at them and they just, they all look like you know, all these tall, big German guys. But man, uh, so they would fight for either side, the Germans back then, you know. But now the, Jesus got a hold of them. Now they're warriors for Jesus and they all just love Jesus, you know. But Jim was saying, man, every morning, you know, when I go to work, you know, and he's got a pretty high job and stuff. And uh, he, he says, I listen to the podcast, you know, and it's spreading around that way. So I want to encourage you in that. Uh, but speaking of typology and those things, I was, praise God, I was able to tell the sisters, hey, I'm in typology right now. You know, we just taught on uh, uh, the, the, what marriage is and God instituted marriage. And that's a picture of our relationship with God forever. Amen. And they said, yes, and they were excited about it. But I want to tell you guys, encourage you guys, you get your brain wrapped around this, man. Get your brain wrapped around what the Lord is doing. Because when you're caught up in the wonder of his love with the bride and bridegroom metaphor that's used of a cosmic reality of us being in Christ and one with him just as a marriage forever and ever as his people. Amen. He uses many, many metaphors to describe and show us what his union with us is uh, throughout scripture. But to me, uh, the most profound is, is marriage itself. Marriage was invented by the Lord to show a relationship that he'd want with all of his people forever. Okay? I'm not one of those guys that believes the bride of Christ is a special group of Christians and everybody else is, is, you know. No, the bride of Christ is Jewish and Gentile believers that will be part of the bridal city and part of his bride forever and ever. It's, so this is, it's an awesome, awesome reality. Amen? And we need to get our brains around it. In fact, Paul uses a, uh, a term to describe this union with us and the Lord that's depicted by marriage. And he calls it a mega, the mega musterion. You know, the great mystery. Amen, brother. Israel, amen. The great mystery. The mega musterion. When you read great mystery, the, but the heavy thing about it, when Paul is talking about our union with Christ and being one with him forever, and he calls it this mega, it's huge, you know, musterion, you know, mystery, you know. Uh, he's, he's referencing, he's talking about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Because... What Christ did for his church is a picture of what husbands ought to be doing for their wives. And I'm encouraging you men right now, when you look at this, don't just look at, wow, this is my eternal relationship with the Lord as he's the groom and we're the bride of Christ. And it's a perfect, beautiful metaphor of this union we have with him forever. You need, to, as a husband, to get around your head that you need to draw a line from that reality to your own walk if you're a husband and the way you ought to treat your wife. No matter how wonderful and how beautiful or how mean-spirited <laughs> she might be at times. Amen? By the way, the Lord's been very patient with you. And you're the bride. All of us. Amen? Would you agree with that? It says that he remembers that we are made of dust and that our frames are weak. Well, we're supposed to dwell with our wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessels. Amen? So husbands, you cannot claim you're supposed to show the same grace he's shown to you to your wives. Amen? That's critical for a successful marriage. John was praying, and I thought, What's, the Lord is amazing, you know. John's praying against the, you know, about divorces rate dropping, you know. And we know there'll be less and less family love in the world, but we need to counter uh, that with prayer for the church so it's not affected by the world, amen. And he prayed for less marriage breakups and divorces in the church. And that's a, that's a blessed prayer. And he mentioned something. He mentioned Malachi chapter 4 where the Lord says, I hate what? 
I hate divorce in the book of Malachi. I hate divorce. But you know what? Just as the Lord hates divorce, Satan hates marriage. Just as the Lord hates divorce, Satan hates marriage on a lot of different levels. First of all, he doesn't want believers to have fulfilled lives. He hates God's, whatever God's instituted, he's against, amen. But he hates the fact that we can be saved. He's past redemption. Jesus didn't die for the angels, amen. Uh, Satan sinned with a high hand, seeing the glory of God as an anointed cherub in God's very presence and rebelled against him and wanted to be worshiped himself after God gave him life and power. And God allowed that to happen. God knew that would happen. And God allowed him to manifest that rebellion among the fallen angels and, and, and them to manifest that rebellion among humanity as God lets people make a choice. Who are you going to be with forever? Choose this day whom you will serve. Amen. So we have this amazing thing going on that we need to really appreciate what the Lord's doing here and say, wow, there is a war. If you're married, there's a war against your marriage. And on a practical level, men, husbands, you need to, you know, lay down your lives for your wives with a billion cuts, you know? Oh, yeah, of course I would. I'd follow Jesus' example. If somebody tried to kill my wife, I'd step in front of the bullet. Well, if you step in the front of the little bullets, the BBs. If you could step in front of a bullet, you should be able to step in front of a BB, right? You should be able to step in front of a, a, a little pebble that's thrown at your wife or something that she's going through. How much more, if you really love your wife, should the little things that happen in your marriage not throw you off loving her as Christ loved the church? Amen. When she's going through something, when she's going through something hormonal, or maybe she's strictly just struggling with uh, uh, just sin or, or just fatigue, or and she needs help. You know, you want to step in and, and be the godly man that God's called you to be, and love her, Amen, and, and be there for her, and and be there for her in a practical way. And wives, in the same way, it's important as I go through these, because as I'm going through these scriptures, you can relate so many of these to your own walks with Jesus. First and foremost, the Megan Mysterion is about our relationship because I said I'm referring to Christ and the church after he talks about the practical aspects of a marriage. But wives, it's important as well that even as the church is to be submitted to Christ and give him glory, that you as a wife are to follow the leadership of your husband unless he tells you to do something that which is contrary to the word of God because God's word always comes first. Amen? So it's important as we understand this, uh, I'm going to go through a, uh, a review of what we talked about last time I was here in the first message on the typology of marriage, the mega musterion, as we look at the bridal city and we're in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to just review some of that because if you're here and you hadn't heard that first one, you're going to be pretty lost. And if you did hear the first one by way of review, it'll help you appreciate again, wow, look what the Lord's done. And then when we get into the new stuff, you're going to just be hopefully just very, very encouraged in Jesus. But in Revelation chapter 21, we read in verse 1, because these are the verses that we are now uh, going through. Then I saw, if you go to verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Praise God, it's coming, brothers and sisters. We talked about that at some length. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a what? Made as a bride adorned for her husband. Could you imagine, you know, sometimes they'll unveil a new building in a city, right? Sometimes they'll unveil a, a plan for what a city is going to look like in, 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 a, in a place that's been purchased to build a city. And people will be like, wow, that's pretty spectacular. But the city never looks, you know, like what it's, Typically, it never looks as robust and as beautiful in the buildings either as the pictures that the architects drop. You know that. But 
Here it's the opposite. Here the Lord tells us what it's be like, and you're like, wow, it's gonna be like a bride. That's just what a rollout for her husband. That's, but it's gonna be a city, and it's gonna be shining like a jewel in the sky and filled with light and everything. But guess what? As much and as beautiful and as wonderful as you could imagine, it's nothing close to what the Lord has prepared for us, the Bible says. Has not entered the minds, amen, the hearts, the eyes, the ears. I'm expanding on that verse, but it talks about what the Lord's prepared for us in Christ Jesus. It's going to be so beyond that. In fact, you're never going to say, I, this is so awesome, like blown away, but the Lord could have done this better. Ah, you'll never say that. You know what I'm saying? You'll always be like, whoa, man, this is absolutely amazing. So he makes it as a bride prepared for her husband. If you jump down to verse 9, you see again, he shows that it's like a bride and so forth. And last time we saw that the Lord says, for your maker is your husband. God is your husband, he tells the Jews. The Lord of hosts is his name and redeemer. But what happened? And I don't have time to go into all the scriptures we went through, but guess what? They forsook him and went after other gods, and he gave them a right in a divorcement. But he told them, he said in verse 31 and 32 of Jeremiah 30, after chapter 3, says they gave them right in the divorcement because they would not come back in their, from their heart tree. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You, you can't, if there's Jews walking around saying, well, I'm saved by the old covenant. Either house. No, you need the new covenant. Because you can't be saved through the old covenant. Because the old covenant condemns you. The old covenant is the law of Moses. And nobody can be saved through the law of Moses. Amen. So the Lord promised that he'd make a new covenant. He says, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Although I was, he says, a husband to them, declares the Lord. So he divorced him. He was a husband. But he's going to make a new covenant with them. And what did we find out? We found out that Jesus broke the bread and, the and poured out the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. He came on the scene. And in Matthew 22, 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God the Father throwing a wedding feast for his son. And he makes a new covenant. And Jesus refers, uh, it's referred to Mark chapter 2 verses 19 and 20. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? Well, who are the friends of the bridegroom? Jesus is apostles. Amen. And who's the bridegroom? Jesus. And well, who's his bride now? Who's he engaged to? Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, Paul says, for I have engaged or betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, which corresponds with Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for, uh, for her. Sometimes we're spoken of as being engaged. Sometimes we're spoken of already as having been married. Well, how does that work? In biblical times in the first century, uh, when you were engaged, you were almost as good as marriage, although it wasn't consummated. You weren't to be able to be together still until the consummation uh, time of that marriage. But if you were to divorce your wife and you were engaged, you would actually have to divorce your wife legally. In fact, do you remember when before Joseph and Mary were married, he found out that she was what? Pregnant. Pregnant. And it says being a righteous man, he was going to put her away privately. And by the way, that's what righteous people do with regard to sin, unless it's something that's going to spread. If you find something out about somebody and they're repentant or what have you, uh, you, you don't become like, you know, uh, Ham. Hey, look, guys, look at Noah. You know, uh, you confront the person and so forth. You deal with it privately first. And hopefully that's where it stays if there's repentance, right? Well, he's going to put her away privately being a righteous man. And guess what? Why was he going to put her away? That's the word for divorce. He thought he had grounds. And then God spoke to him miraculously. 
And then Isaiah 7 came into play that a virgin would be with child. Amen. And then Daniel 9 comes into play. The very time that the Messiah would come into the world and be cut off was at that time. Even the Magi coming from uh, uh, the east and so forth. This was all part of the prophecies and so forth. But what I'm saying is that even though we are engaged, there's a sense in which, and we're betrothed to Christ, there's a sense in which we are already in marital covenant with him. Uh, now, it's interesting, too, because the, the choice, the groom would make the choice. Jesus said of his believers, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. There was also the proposal of the groom, right? And what would he do? Take a jug of wine with his parents, pour some wine, and she would, if she took it, she was saying, yes, I will be married to you. I, I agree with you. I agree to be married to you. Amen. Jesus poured wine for the disciples. There's a lot of other pictures that work there. The whole Passover is taking place right there, right? Which is also a picture of the Lamb of God giving himself for the life or for the uh, sins of the world. There was not only the proposal of the bridegroom, but there was also, uh, and that was, by the way, you remember this, uh, Jesus says, then he took, it says he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. Okay. And that wedding covenant was drawn up. Okay. There was a wedding covenant that was drawn up and Jesus said, this is the blood of the, remember, new covenant. He made a covenant with us. Amen. Uh, and he said, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's part of the covenant. You can read about that new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 10, it quotes from the Old Testament of the prophesied new covenant would come through the coming of Messiah. So all these different things that happened in weddings in those days, right, were pictures of what God was going to do with uh, his bride. I'm not saying every little jot and tittle because there were different customs for different, uh, different groups and even in certain different regions, but a lot of the main things that were there in place that God had sovereignly in his providence allowed to be instituted were pictures of ultimately of Christ and his bride and God's cosmic plan with regard to this divine romance that we are explicating here today. Now, also, uh, it was amazing because the groom would pay a mohar. Remember that? What was the mohar? The mohar is the, you remember? The mohar was the dowry, amen? So in ancient times, people, men paid a dowry. Their fathers or the, the husband himself would, in Jacob's case, he had to pay seven years, Amen. Seven years for Rachel, he ends up with Leah. Then seven more years to get, to get Rachel. Then in the end, he thinks, wow, Leah was the one I should have wanted all along, you know. Uh, but it's interesting because when you look at this Mohar uh, dowry, uh, Jesus paid the ultimate price to get his bride, amen. What did Jesus pay to get his bride? The father gave his son as a dowry and he, as Jim said, uh, all of his blood, amen. In fact, Jesus said, this is the blood of my, uh, uh, the, my blood of the, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It, it, many is not contrasted to all there. Many is contrasted to few, okay? All of us, ultimately. Uh, John 19, 30, Jesus said, to Telestai, paid in full. He paid for our sins, okay? And that's absolutely amazing. And he's coming for a, uh, you know, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that he purchased us with his own blood, that God did. Listen to this. Chapter 20, verse 28, Paul to the church at Ephesus, actually the, the elders at the church of Ephesus, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Amen? And the Bible says over and over again in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 30, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, that we've been bought with a what? Price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies. Okay, what would the bridegroom do after he... And I'm, I'm skipping a lot of stuff we went through last Sunday or two Sundays ago because this is more by way of review. We got a lot deeper than that. If you did not hear that message, you probably want to go check that out. But after he, uh, the covenant was made and he 
paid his dowry and so forth, what would he go do? He'd go back to the father's house, and what would he do? Prepare, amen. Jim, again, well, another Jim, another big Jim. <laughs> He'd prepare a place for her, amen. He'd go to prepare a place for her. Go back, well, I need a place for my wife, you know. You can't just go but rent apartments everywhere, you know. And he would actually build a wing onto his father's house. So all of a sudden, man, you'd, some houses would have several, you know, it's like a compound, you know. They had a lot of sons sometimes, you know. And he'd prepare a place for her. What did Jesus say? John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house there are many mansions, or in the King James, or in the NASB, dwelling places, which will blow away any mansions in this world, by the way. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So what's Jesus doing? After he leaves, he went to go what? Prepare a place for us. Now this is the one who created the heavens and the earth. So you guys should be excited about your new home coming up. Amen? If you're like, I just have this dream house, and I would love to just have this picket fence around my house, and you're constantly thinking about a new house, you know, sometimes I'll see uh, a forest with just teeming, just huge, beautiful pine trees and a, a lake. And, and that's the picture of what I'd love to have. If, 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 if there was like, a, a, Joe, you have a 7,000-year break, you know, from your work, and then you'll wake up. Uh, where do you want to live on earth for a while? I'd pick something where it's around my brothers and sisters in Christ for sure. I'd try to transport everybody there, you know, if they're willing. But I'd, I'd have this beautiful... Uh, just, I love mass trees. Long Island, by the way, just blew me away when we were in Long Island. When I think of Long Island or I hear Long Island, you kind of think of, you know, a, a concrete jungle and stuff like that. Nothing like that. It's like these two north and south fork islandish, right? And it's just gorgeous. And there's trees everywhere. I mean, big, huge trees wherever we went. And just like, it's so beautiful. But I would, I, I picture myself in, you know, just I, what I love. And, and it would roll down into a beautiful beach, you know, eventually, right? So I'd go there too. But guess what? I don't think like that. Because I know my life is short. My life's like a vapor. I'm not saying you can't have dreams like that. The Lord won't put you in a certain house or something in this world. He's given us all things to enjoy as long as Christ is first. Amen. Okay. And I'm not saying I would never retire in my 90s or something or 80s. or I don't, want to, I don't ever want to retire until the Lord returns. I want to always do his work. But for me, man, I have a house and you have a house that blows away anything you could dream of here. And, and our lives are like vapors. Amen. So ultimately, and praise God, the Lord bless you with a home and you're like, man, do I feel bad for you because I'm actually living here right now and I'm still doing work. Lord, well, praise God because that's not my dream. My dream is serving and following Jesus. I'm just saying if I'm thinking of a house that I would live in this world, I, I could see something really, really, and it would pale into nothingness compared to what the Lord has going in heaven. Amen? Amen. So he's got to prepare a place for us and our lives are vapors. We're here a short time and you should be more focused. The Bible says, don't, the Bible says, that set your affections on things above and not on the things of this earth. That should not be our main focus, amen? If the Lord blesses you and you end up in a place like that and, and that's what, you know, and you feel led of the Lord, okay, praise God. But I feel like I just want to keep going and going and going. And that doesn't mean when I get old, the Lord won't put me in a, in a, in a, in a little cabin in, in a place where I can minister through, uh, Tony will be next door or something and we'll still be able to do all our stuff. I don't know, you know? But, but I'm, not, I'm not hoping for that because I'm not hoping to retire anytime soon. You know, as long as I'm able, as long as I can keep going, as long as I can, uh, can do things for the Lord, I'm going to be ministering to my brothers and sisters in face-to-face -face in person until he makes it clear otherwise. Amen? So I think it's awesome that we have, but I'm saying, you know what makes it easy? 
Is this, this is not our, the, the world we live in is temporary, right? We've been chosen out of this world system and it's gonna get way more beautiful as we get closer and closer to the Lord uh, and we start to un- unravel in our minds what he's doing. In fact, we also talked about the Jewish bride after she was engaged, right, betrothed. What would, she, what would happen to her? She would go and get baptized. Remember that? Isn't that a trip? And a lot of people, when they teach on this subject, they don't even mention the baptism. I think that's profound because there's a baptism that the bride-to-be, and they still do this in different parts of Judaism to this day. Like Sephardic Jews, uh, they'll, they'll have, go down the river and they'll be baptized. And some of them uh, that in, in Europe and so forth and different Jewish people will be baptized because that was a rite that goes back to Jesus' time. Well, we're baptized because we are consecrating ourselves to our bridegroom. Amen. And guess what? And Jesus said, go into all the world, making disciples of all men and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, 7. And a new name was written on the stone, which no one knows, but the one who receives it. Uh, the, the bride, well, the bride in those days, she would take the husband's name. A lot of those things still happen today. A lot of these things we're talking about still happen today, right? You get the new name. Well, guess what? Jesus promised the new name for those, for his bride, for those who put their trust in him and those who overcome, those who keep the faith to the end. Amen are given new names. And, you know, it's important also to understand that the bride was to remain faithful. That's why when Joseph thought, did Mary cheat on me? He's going to put her away privately because the bride is to remain faithful before the marriage. Not like, oh, I'm married. I'm going to have some fun with different people before I actually get married. That's the most wicked, sick thing a husband or to be or a wife to be could actually do. Uh, we're supposed to be pure. And the scriptures talk about those who have this hope in Christ coming. First John chapter 3, the first few, few verses. Purify themselves even as he is pure. Amen. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, Paul writes, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so as a Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. And then he warns them not to turn to a different Jesus, a different gospel, and receive a different spirit. Amen. Right now, much of the professing church is being defiled with different Jesuses different gospels, a different spirit. We need to stick to the Jesus of the word of God. And then what would brides do back then, just like they do today? And back then they would prepare for the wedding and the bride, as the husband would go prepare a place for her, she would be preparing her wedding dress, okay? And actually she would go and look for, I had some things I didn't mention last time, she would try to find the finest material. Her and her bridesmaids would spend a lot of time trying to find the finest and most expensive material that they could afford to make this wedding dress just elaborate and beautiful so she would just be decked out at the time of their wedding. Well, guess what? As we're looking forward to our Lord's coming, we ought to be purifying ourselves and beautifying our lives, amen, for our bridegroom, amen? Amen. Okay, I want to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus and you're trusting him, the Bible says we are to purify ourselves even as he is pure. We're not supposed to get to a point where like, well, I'm a Christian, this is my walk, and this is what I do. No, man, we're supposed to be pressing in and pressing forward and pressing on in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and seeking to become more and more like him and allow ourselves to be transformed more and more into his likeness until that final day when we are made into his likeness supernaturally with a new body which is incorruptible, imperishable, and immortal, amen. So if you're a Christian, you ought to be pressing in to say, Lord, I want to be more like you. That means you read his love letter to you. Amen. Oftentimes, grooms would write a love letter to their brides and and their hopes of the future and so forth. Well, guess what we have? 
the ultimate love letter, amen? A lamp to our feet, a light to our path that talks about his coming and so forth. So then you would have uh, the wedding dress and, and so forth. Uh, and in certain regions, they didn't understand, like Galilee, they didn't always know the day and the hour that their husband would arrive to be, the bridegroom would arrive. They had to always be what? They always had to be ready. They would know the season, just like we know the season. Matthew chapter 24, immediately after the tribulation those days when he comes to gather up his elect so we know the season is after the tribulation but we don't know the exact day and hour amen as it gets closer we should be more and more attuned to the day and the hour as it gets closer because on the day and the hour it happens everybody that's a believer will know the day and the hour when it happens amen but we should be anticipating uh his return and uh get more and more excited about it and be ready so uh, we know the wedding is at the end of the tribulation because we know the bride has made herself ready in Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. At the end of the tribulation, just before Christ comes in verse 11, it says his bride has made herself ready. And go, go and read that. It's in chapter 19, right before he comes. The bride is made ready for his return. And, but we don't know the day and the hour. And in Galilee, you know, where Jesus grew up, uh, a husband, you, you get a general idea, but all of a sudden you would hear the voice, the bridegroom comes! Well, why would there be a voice, Matthew 25, 1 through 11, the bridegroom's coming. Why would there be a voice shout, sh shouting that? Because they didn't know the exact hour, did they? They know the day and the hour. So that would make them aware that it's here. But 10 of the bridesmaids, they were all asleep, right? Five woke up and boom, they trimmed their lamps and five didn't have any oil left and they were, well, the door was shut and they were shut out of the, uh, of the wedding. And of course, we talked about invitations going out, amen, and that he sent, Jesus says in Matthew 22, 4, he sent his servants and those who had been invited to the banquet, uh, tell them to come, amen, uh, and so forth. So the gospel of the kingdom, we preach in all the world's witness to all the nations, and will come right now, the invitation's going out for the wedding, amen. And guess what the bride would do? She'd invite people, amen. We're the bride of Christ. We ought to be inviting people, amen, to the wedding. The crazy thing is, when you, get, when you accept that invitation just like you did and someone invited you perhaps, right? When you accept it, you become not just a guest now, you become what? Part of the what? The bride. Because the Lord is able to do ab abundantly above that which we think or dream. This is, you, you read the most radical so-called fairy tales or love stories and that people just, oh, it's so beautiful. Nothing. None of them are as close to this story. And the crazy thing is, you're the bride in this story that's the blow mind about this whole thing you actually have the, a spot of of you, you've been redeemed by the blood of christ he died for you and we are to invite others now that's that's recapping a lot of what we talked about last time but skipping a lot as well like i went through the song of solomon a bit and so forth which we uh will not cover as much but uh I have something new for you in the Song of Solomon that I didn't bring up last time in this part too. Is it was pretty heavy because in the Song of Psalms, chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, you could go there if you want. Uh, and a, a Song of Songs, chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, if you have your Bible there. It says in chapter 3, verse 9, King Solomon made himself a carriage. Now keep in mind, this is the richest king on the planet at the time, amen? If King Solomon makes a carriage, it's a radical, beautiful, royal carriage. And this is for his wedding, guys. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its post of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior inlaid with love uh, uh, by, by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look up upon King Solomon with the crown, which, with, with, the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding. On the day of the gladness of 
of his heart. So it would happen in biblical times. The bridegroom would come for his bride, and guess what? She was whisked up and away with her husband and lifted up in a carriage. What is that a picture of? Come on, guys. We're going to be what? Caught up to meet the Lord in the air when he comes with his, <laughs> on his white horse, amen? And we're going to be with him, amen? Amen. Good snap, Israel. Amen. I, my heart says the same thing. Praise Jesus. Amen. You know, we're going to be caught up. In fact, First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God will, will sound, it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up. That's where we get the word uh, Harpazo is the Greek word there, but we translate that. We understand that's rapture. The way we use the word rapture means to be caught up. When people say, oh, the rapture is not in the Bible. Well, open your eyes and go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. It's very clearly in the Bible. Okay. Uh, so we teach a, that the Bible is very clear about a rapture. We caught up. After that, we, we who are still alive and are left, we caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We should be encouraging one another with these words. Amen. Say, praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those who've died in the Lord, we're going to be with them again. Amen. We're going to forever be with the Lord. We caught up. And I, it's awesome because all these Solomon, you'd be looking at him all decked out like, wow, the richest guy in the world, man. Silver and purple. And, and, and wow, you've never seen anything like it. It's like, that's nothing. That's a picture of us being caught up higher to be with the Lord when he comes on his white horse. Amen. So try to get your heads around this, guys. How could you just look, take your eyes off of the beauty of what's going on here? There should be excitement. Being like, wow, Lord, this is, i got to pinch myself. This is real. Just like all these other prophecies have been fulfilled in Christ, his first coming, amen? These second coming prophecies will be fulfilled as well. And if you're trusting in him, you will be part of this bride, amen? And you are part of the bride if you're trusting in him. Of course, gifts were given to the bride, amen? Remember when Eliezer went to fetch Rebekah for Isaac. What did he do when Rebekah said yes? She was adorned with all kinds of gifts, amen? And what would happen uh, is there would be all kinds of gifts on the basis of this marriage. She was decked with jewels and beauty. The Lord says when he returns, we'll be transformed and made like him, and he'll snatch up his jewels. We will be transformed in like jewels. Because through the trials we go through, the Bible says we'll be made like gold, Amen? Think about this. Wrap your brain around it because we're going to get more in depth into this concept as we continue to go through Revelation chapter 22. But it says that we go through thlipsis, which originally meant that Greek word to be pressed between two rocks, uh, coal, and turned into a diamond. We're being made like diamonds, gold. The Bible says we're being made like silver and he takes the dross out, amen? We're being made more and more like him. We're, we're the pearl of great price. You know, how do you make a pearl? The oyster makes it through dealing with what's an irritant and turns it into a pearl. And that's what the Lord's doing with us. We're irritants, right? Uh, and he's patient with us. He's turning us into pearls, you know? And, and, and it's beautiful. Notice I didn't say your irritants. We're all irritants. I'm not trying to put you down. We just are. And we need to be more like Jesus. And we're transformed by him. We talked about the necker, the, the substance that's using. That's, that's too deep to get into right now. But we are his jewels. And by the way, when you look at the bride, it says she's prepared as a bride for husband. But it goes on to describe the bride that comes out as being like precious jewels, adorned with precious jewels. New Jerusalem, 
That's believers who will shine, it says, like the sun in its firmament forever and ever, like the stars and the sun will shine with, for Jesus because we'll be reflecting his light forever, okay? Who says church can be boring, you know? Not if you love the Lord, not if you know the word, amen? In fact, people that don't get, unless the pastor's just not preaching the word, but if people aren't in the, in the Lord, of course, it's like, oh, the messages aren't going to affect them as much because they've got internal problems. They're thinking about other things, and they're, and they're in their, filled with their own ways. They're backsliding often. Yeah, but they get right with God, man. And they, I had one brother that was here for some time, and he's been here years and years and years and years. Great brother. But then he was struggling for a little while, and he wasn't getting much in the messages. And he said, you know what, Joe? I, was, I got away from the Lord, you know? came up to me, he goes, I just want to let you know, the last few months or whatever it's been, I, I, I haven't been getting the Lord, I haven't been really getting ministered to, I haven't really felt fed and stuff, but I realized I'm doing my own thing, and I cut God off. He goes, I repented, and I'm right with God, and now the message is every message. He goes, I get bummed out when you stop. I wish you would just keep going because I'm so blessed. You want to make sure your heart's right. And when your heart's right, you can receive these treasures, amen? Because you cannot enjoy a great steak or a, a great uh, meal if you're filled up with McDonald's every day, amen? So you want to make sure you have a hunger and thirst for the meat of God's word, amen, and the milk of his words. So uh, he's going to reward his saints. Even as the bride was gifted, the scriptures tell us in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly. That's the bridegroom who's gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render every man according to what he has done. So you are saved by grace through faith, amen, not on the basis of deeds that you've done, deeds of righteousness that you've done, amen. We're saved by grace through faith. But you are rewarded according to your works. Or you, are, or you don't have reward based on the lack of your works. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about how we'll go through the bema seat of Christ and, and we'll face the, uh, this bema seat. And it's often depicted as, well, you know what? You're put in the fire. It says well, our works will be put, burned in the fire. And if the works are burned up, we suffer loss. But if and it's like wood, hay, and stubble, it says, 2 Corinthians 5. They burn up. But if it's like gold and silver and precious stones, it remains. Our works go through the fire and they remain. I believe the fire is the eyes of Jesus because he has eyes of fire and that he'll evaluate everything that we've done with perfection and everything that's dross, that's done with wrong motives, not for God's glory, will just burn up. But everything you've done for God's glory, everything you've done to serve him and say, Lord, use me. Help me to be a blessing, not for myself, not to be seen of men, but to actually have an impact for your glory, your honor, your praise, and, and help me be a blessing to others. And you, and you do those things now. You're blessed. Even a glass of cold water that you give to someone, it says, Jesus said, will be rewarded. Every idle word will also be judged. Watch your words. In your marriage, if you're seeking to be a godly husband and you're seeking to be a blessing to your wife, and being there for her, and helping her, and, and, and being patient with her, that all be rewarded in Christ Jesus. If you're a godly wife, and, and you're not fearing man, but you're fearing God, and, and you're seeking God's will, and you're even dwelling with a husband that's hard to live with at times, because you're dwelling, you're dwelling with him, the Bible says, even if they're disobedient to the word, right? You're still submitting to their leadership, and so forth. Unless they tell you, like I said, to do something that's unbiblical, right? You'll be radically rewarded. The key is for husbands and wives both to be on the same page. That makes the best marriage. But what sometimes one's not on the same page. Jesus is always on, this, on the right page, amen? The bride, the church, often hasn't been, but he's been patient, and we need to show that patience. Listen to Matt, Revelation chapter 11 about rewards. He's coming to reward, just as the bride was gifted, uh, and when he comes back, verse 15 and 18, says that the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Then there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Then in verse 18, it says, the nations raged, but your wrath came. 
And the time for the dead to be judged. The time for the dead to be judged. And for the rewarding of what? And for rewarding your servants. For rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints. And those who fear your name, both small and great. And uh, for destroying the destroyers of the earth. What happens to you when a husband and wife get married? They become what? One flesh. Amen? They become one flesh. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, that you are not to be with a prostitute. You're not to commit sexual immorality because it says we become one flesh with, with the other person. And it, says, and it says in that same passage that we are one spirit with the Lord. So marriage, the two would become one flesh. We're one spirit with the Lord. In fact, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 31 and 32, when Paul is talking about the Megan Mysterion, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then listen. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Isn't that heavy? Two becoming one flesh physically is a picture of the unity and union we have with Christ. And we are part of his body. He is the head and we are the hands and the feet. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. But we have union with him. And God had always intended that before we were even created. He knew we would fall. He planned to redeem us through his son. He planned for us to be even more, a more profound thing than just simply Adam and Eve and so forth. As beautiful as that is, the two of them becoming one was a picture. He, thought, he said basically in his redemption and us being redeemed, we would become one with him forever. And to me, that's incredibly, and it should be to you, and I'm sure it is, amazingly glorious. And right now, we are already part of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Because we have what is and is not fully yet. Right now, we already uh, have it idealized to a degree, but it's not fully realized yet. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, says that we'll be like him. Because we are going to be, we are one body and we're becoming more and more like Jesus. It says in chapter 3, verse 20, Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Quite amazing. Absolutely uh, mind-boggling. Now, it's amazing as well because when you go to Revelation 19, if you can go to Revelation chapter 19, that would, be, that would be great. We see the when, which we talked about last week or last time. So we'll talk about the when as much of the wedding supper. But now we're looking forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Amen? You know, some of those beautiful parts of the wedding is what? When the bride comes down the aisle, right? But it's kind of reverse, right? For us, it's Jesus coming from the skies. Amen? But our traditional American weddings, you see the bride come down the aisle. But it's kind of a trip because New Jerusalem will come as a bride for her husband down to the earth. So that's still happening in a way. But we're also waiting to come in the bridegroom in, in, uh, based on the, the scripture and the teachings of the word of God. And even those ancient traditions it reflect that. But it's interesting because we are waiting, waiting, waiting for the wedding supper now. Amen? We are waiting for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Okay? Now, a lot of our, mm, our pre-trib brothers and sisters, they like to say the wedding supper is that seven-year tribulation period. That Jesus comes back actually before the tribulation. And, you know, because have you read that verse that says immediately before the tribulation of those days that Jesus will come and gather his elect? No. no verse like that, right? No verse anywhere like that. But there is a verse that says immediately after the tribulation, right? So a lot of the pre-trips say, no, no, he won't let us go through the tribulation. And he won't allow that to happen to his bride. Well, read the Song of Solomon. 
We talk about how the bride is indifferent to her Lord. Amen? And then what happens? She stumbles about. We looked at that two weeks ago. She stumbles about and she kind of gets beat up. Yeah. Look at what happened to the disciples. Look at what happened to the apostles. Don't tell me the Lord doesn't allow his bride to go through trials. He uses those trials to perfect us and make us like silver and gold and diamonds. Amen? Okay, just look at the early church. But guess what? What do we see at the beginning of the tribulation period? Do we see a party in heaven? Do we see a great wedding feast on the earth? Do we see the church saying, oh, thank you that you caught us up and you're just allowing the Jews to be slaughtered? Nowhere. No, we don't see that anywhere. What do we see? Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony in which they held. Does it say they partied and said, this is great that we don't have to go through this, Lord, and we're going to party and we're having the wedding supper of the Lamb in heaven while everybody else goes through trials? No. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true. They're not partying, they're crying out. Until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. That's what they're anticipating during the tribulation period. They're not having the wedding feast there. And so many pre-tribs, oh, that's when the wedding feast takes place. We're all partying. Yeah. Wrong. Unbiblical. Can't find that anywhere in scripture. You find the saints in heaven crying out for the Lord's return. The Lord hasn't returned yet to avenge the blood of the saints that have been poured out. The second coming of Christ hasn't even happened yet. But then what happens? You go all the way through. Now, if you're in Revelation 6, go to 7, 8, 9, keep going. You go all the way through tribulation. Then you go to Christ's second coming in Revelation chapter 19 at the end of the tribulation. And guess what we read? Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 9. 7 through 9. Look at this. Right before Jesus returns, after the tribulation is over, let us rejoice, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For what? For what? The marriage of the Lamb has what? Has come. At the end of the tribulation, it's so clear, guys. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And this is what the church believed for 1,800 years until John Darby came about and said, ah, really, these parts of Revelation probably are for the church. Ah, Matthew 24, Mark, 20, or Mark 13, Luke 21. Ah, that's really not for the church. That's just for the Jews. Really? That's a lie, man. I'm sorry, that's a lie. Let us rejoice and exult and rejoice in him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has what? Made herself ready. Part of the bride, big part of the bride becoming ready is the tribulation period itself. Flips us, trial. It was granted to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. What's the fine linen, guys? The righteous Jesus saints. We're already covered by the grace of God and thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're already covered by the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's how we're not condemned. Our righteous deeds don't keep us from condemnation. It's it's his one righteous deed on the cross. Amen. Amen. His resurrection that keeps us from being condemned. So we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ already. But guess what? There's more to our robes than that. As beautiful as that is, and I'll take just that. I'll be happy just to get in. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your righteousness. But those who truly follow him and love him that faith that works is dead. Amen. Uh, those who know Christ and truly follow him will bear fruit. Un- they'll be the fruit of repentance, as the scriptures say. So those righteous deeds that we do after coming to know Jesus, those will be rewarded. Can you imagine all the righteous deeds that will be done with a great multitude that no man can number from a nation, kindred, people, and tongue in Revelation 7 that come out of the great tribulation? Can you imagine how many righteous, how much many reward rewards will be racked up and how beautiful these garments are going to be? Because the context is she's been made ready 
Because the Lord said, they said, Lord, bring your wrath upon those wicked people who avenge our blood. And he says, wait until what? Your fellow brethren are killed like you were. And it's completed. Now you have the completion. The Lord's saying, okay, it's over. Because if you didn't come back at a certain time, Matthew chapter 24, unless those days of tribulation were cut short, no flesh would be saved, right? So he's coming back and uh, before all flesh is wiped out. And guess what? Pure and fine linen, which is the righteous deeds of the saints. So in the resurrection, those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the sun forever. And all believers, it says, will shine like the firmament of heaven. But the more you do, the more you'll shine for Jesus in eternity. Okay, that's pretty heavy because it's heavy here because it says for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saint, saints. And it says it was clothed, uh, it was granted for her to be clothed, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure. That actually, the words there in the Greek, one of the words speaks of light, you know, beautiful radiance uh, and so forth. Blessed, then he, then he states this, which is really, really heavy. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then look at verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. This is an anticipation, and it's explaining what's going to happen as a result of Christ's second coming. That's the context here, you guys. This happens at his second coming. That's when we are rewarded. Remember, Jesus said, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 11. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of Christ. That's Armageddon. That's the end. And then the time to reward his saints. It happens that it's coming. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, 12. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. And here we see his coming. And you guys, you need to be more excited about the fact that the Lord is coming. That the things that are going down, don't lift, you know, let your head fall down in a state of depression. I can't believe how ugly the world's getting. Yeah, that's what Jesus said would happen. And he says the hearts of many, the, the world, the system, they would fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. But Jesus said, when you see these things taking place, lift up your what? Your heads because your redemption is drawn near. As a believer, you should be the most perky, excited person in the world right now. You're excited about COVID? No, I'm not excited about COVID. That's a result of man's rebellion against God ultimately. You know, that diseases and sin came to the world because of the fall of man. Amen. And, and I'm not saying those who get COVID, it's because God's punishing them. But we're all fallen. Amen. We're all dying. But I'm excited because I know these are birth pains that are leading to the baby coming. And it's not just the baby. It's the Lord Jesus Christ coming ultimately. He's not a baby anymore. Right. And those birth pains, Jesus said, announce his coming. So I'm lifting up my head saying, yeah, this is terrible. What's going on? Uh, you know, we're going to try to be wise and, and prayerful at this time. But we're looking forward to Jesus and we're not going to stop preaching Jesus. I don't preach COVID, COVID, COVID. I preach Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus no matter what. Because Satan wants us to get focused on COVID, COVID, COVID. So that's all you're talking about. COVID, COVID, COVID. Fear, fear, fear. COVID, COVID, COVID. Fear, fear, fear. No, man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. And I'm going to keep ready and stay alert and looking forward to his coming. That's where we should all be. That's where he wants all of our hearts. Amen. Now, it's interesting. After chapter 19, verse 11, and it goes on to talk about his coming. It's a radical passage. Amen. Then we read in verses 17 and 18. And what follows, that the beast is taken and with him the false prophet and they're thrown alive in the lake of fire. But guess who's destroyed along with the beast and the false prophet? The kings of the earth and their armies fight against the Lord at Armageddon and they're destroyed. And guess what? Before we eat at the wedding feast, guess who eats first? The birds eat first. Good job, Jimmy. The birds eat first. Look at chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice, he called 
to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. That, just, that describes the different people that took the mark of the beast. There'll be this great feast, and right now there are Carry on, there are birds of prey that are assembled in Israel and in those areas that go through there like never we've known before in history. And it's kind of interesting. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon. There's all these birds of prey that go through by the valley of Megiddo right now. Quite interesting. Really interesting. Now, where does the wedding take place? For the pre, many pre-tribs, oh, it takes place in heaven during the tribulation period. Why well, are we seeing that? That's not true, Right? Where does it take place? Well, when Jesus comes, we are caught up to meet him in the air. Amen? Then we des- he, descends, he descends with a shout. Then he, his feet land on, on a, a Mount of Olives. Amen? And it cleaves and breaks in two, and water flows. And there's water, they now know, underneath the Mount of Olives in Israel. And that water will flow into the Dead Sea, and it will become like the, like the Jordan. It will become uh, from the Jordan, like the River Jordan going through Galilee. It will it'll, it'll feed the Dead Sea, and then there will be fish again in the Dead Sea, uh, so much so, and so many people are like, yeah, I believe that's happening. So they're buying fishing rights right now. They're buying land around the Dead Sea that's cheap because the Lord's going to transform it. Hey, I own this, Lord. Well, I don't know if those deals still, that's, that's earthly deals. I don't know if that's going to work then, you know. But who knows? Lord might say, as a wise servant, you know. I don't know how that's going to work out. But anyway, uh, but it's interesting because where does the wedding take place? Well, in chapter 19, verse 7, it happens. We know when it happens, right, right at Christ's second coming. Verse 7, right before verse 11, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. We know it's not to the end of tribulation. We already know when it is, right? Because the birds are eating, and it's called the wedding supper of the Lamb, amen? They're eating first. It's kind of interesting. Birds a lot of times eat the scraps. They get to eat first. But it's we who have the real wedding wedding, where we just get really, really blessed. Let us, notice, I want you to keep in mind this little phrase. In Revelation 19:7. in anticipation of the wedding, it says, of the wedding feast of the Lamb, wedding feast of Christ. Let us rejoice and be glad. By the way, I know I talk a little fast. I know I get a lot in. Because we, you, you know we could be in this series for months, two, three months. We just focus on these things. But it would be like a three-month, four-month series on, on Christ coming as the bride and bridegroom. That would be cool. But I want to get to other things and keep going through the book of Revelation. In fact, you won't be able to pick up any commentary in the book of Revelation and get this kind of treatment on the bridal city and the wedding of Christ and his bride. So you're getting way more than you get in the best Revelation commentaries, okay? Because I want you to be filled with the word of God, okay? And commentaries that did that would be 10 volumes long, 20 volumes long if they did what we did with Revelation. But I was trying to say you should be excited by, by the fact that this is going to happen. But I want you to key in on certain things because I want you to take some time. This little phrase, let us rejoice and be glad to give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That little term, let us rejoice and be glad. Remember that because you're going to see this going to be a key as to when the wedding feast is, what time it takes place and so forth. Now, go to Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 5. Okay? Now, I could take you, this has, you know, been called the mini-apocalypse. The mini-apocalypse, this section of Isaiah. Chapter 24, chapter 25 deals with this end-time scenario. In fact, 24, 23 says that the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on, the, on Mount Zion in Jerusalem and his glory will be before, all, before his elders. So it's talking about the coming of the Lord and so forth. But look at chapter 25, verse 5. The Lord of hosts will prepare a what? Come on, is anybody there? Isaiah chapter 25, verse 5. The Lord himself will prepare a what? 
A what? A feast. Okay, any other translations? A lavish banquet, a feast. This is a marriage feast, guys. Listen to this. For all peoples on this mountain, it's going to be when he descends to Mount Olives and he's going to set up his wedding feast, a banquet of aged wine. Mm, that should be good. Choice pieces with marrow. Amen. Well, there may be no more, no more death. I believe that's actually after the millennium, but whatever he's going to have is going to taste better than meat, right? And refined, and then he says, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, and you won't get drunk on it, by the way, amen, because God doesn't get people drunk, and he's against being drunk, so it's obviously got either no alcohol content or incredibly low, right? So, and on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering of which, now this is important, and on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all the nations, he will, what, swallow up? He will swallow up what? Death for all time. Okay, that is quoted, and it's important, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 52 about the rapture. Behold, he come, he, what does it say? We shall be changed, right? In the twinkle of an eye, right? At the last trumpet, right? This mortal will put on immortality and so forth. And it says, death will be swallowed up in victory, Paul says. Okay, I love the intertextual witness of scripture. And if you look at any any study Bible, they'll probably give this reference right there at 1 Corinthians 15 and say, yeah, Paul's referring to this event right here. Well, guess what? Paul's referring to the rapture for sure, right? Yeah. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all sleep, but we shall be changed, right? In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, right? When the Lord comes, that's the rapture. But if you look at when it's fulfilled, this right here is when death is swallowed up, when he establishes his reign on earth. Again, it shows you the timing is at the end. And Paul says, at the last trumpet there, amen? Where's the last trumpet? Well, it couldn't be before Jesus said that angels will sound the trumpet and he'll gather us up elect immediately after the tribulation, which is post-trib, because then it wouldn't be the last trumpet if it came before, amen? Could be at the beginning of the tribulation, the last trumpet, because there's seven trumpets that blow all the way to the last trumpet. And the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. And when you read the seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19, guess what you see? That end of the world when Christ comes to rule at the last trumpet. It all fits like a hand in the glove, guys. And it fits really well here when the, when the millennium begins, when Christ begins to reign, death is swallowed up in victory. And Paul says, death, where is your victory? And Paul says, this is when this will be fulfilled. He actually tells us so we don't miss it. That that's when this, is, this saying will come to pass is at the rapture. And it happens when death, is death swallowed up before the tribulation begins? No, there's more death through the tribulation than ever there was in history, amen? So it's interesting it goes on to say, and the Lord will wipe tears away from all faces. It doesn't happen before the millennium. In fact, they're even crying in heaven. How long will God do? You know, he'll wipe away all tears from all faces and he will remove the reproach of his people from the earth for the Lord has spoken and it will be said in that day, behold, he is our God from whom we have waited. I love this. We have a song we sing about that, right? This is one whom we waited for, right? Uh, this is our God for whom we have waited and that he might save us. Listen to this. This is the Lord from whom we have waited let us what? Let us what? Let us rejoice and what? And be glad in his salvation. Revelation 19, right before he comes on his white horse, 1 Corinthians 15, refer to this text about the millennial period when the lavish feast takes place, the lavish banquet is poured out on earth. The millennium kingdom is inaugurated. Christ reigns. Guess what? We will be with him and reign with him for a thousand years. It's a thousand year banquet. Okay? And I don't think you'll be able to overeat in your new body. Okay? It'll just be, thank you, Jesus. Wow. And you don't have to pay for it either. It's free. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Okay? 
The, the wedding feast is after the tribulation and it's on the mountain of the Lord when we reign with him for a thousand years in Mount Zion. Amen? It's so beautiful. It's so mind-boggling. It's so, you know what? I'm so sorry, guys, because guess what? I'm going to take you to our old time because if I keep going here, we're going to be 15 more minutes and I'm trying to get done close to on time. So is it okay if we have a part three of this? Because the best stuff's still coming up. Are you sure? Oh, amen. We'll do it. Let's do it. We'll do part three. Praise God. We will. So I'm, I'm not sorry because I'm looking forward to next Sunday then. And we'll have brand new stuff. I will not do a, uh, I won't, you know, review the stuff we just talked about, you know, maybe a couple scriptures, but we'll go through a bunch of new, new things, you know. Let's pass out the cup and the bread.